0: Severe MMA Roundup. I'm your host, Harry Powell. Before we start and get into the content, if you like what you hear in this episode, please consider signing up to the Severe MMA Patreon. It's the price of a pint a month and it really helps the Severe MMA crew keep generating out the content that you know and love. We can't look at this sport and look after this sport, covering this sport the way that we do without your help. So thanks very much. On this month's episode of Hot Topic, we have a plethora of content for you like we do every month. This month we have some hot topics, we have a couple of speakers corners episodes, and of course we have the Q&A with Sean Sheehan. We've also got a contender featuring John Jones. So let's jump straight in to that contender episode about Johnny Bones Jones.
1: First of all, let's kick it off this way. Ian. Do you think there will be a little bit of a difference in John Jones being contender? You know, this is the contender after all. And it's very different. We've spoken about it many times on this show and on other shows. The mindset of being a contender, the mindset of chasing someone, and the mindset of being a champion are very different things. Now, maybe John Jones has a combination of both of them, but where do you think the, the we can forget about the outside the cage mindset for a minute, because that's something we talk different with Jon Jones, but the, the, the mindset for getting into the cage, the mindset for preparation, the mindset for what his future is in mixed martial arts, where do you think it is right now with John Jones?
2: I think he's probably looking at this challenge as a fresh challenge and something that he needs to motivate himself. And I think that the biggest hurdle he's had to overcome in recent fights is that, you know, in his mind... As he has been coming up in the sport, he's fought in great fighters like, you know, he's fought in Daniel Cormier's. He's fought in the Shogun Ruiz, the, the Rampage Jacksons, the Vitor Belfort, the Rashad Evans all the way up when he was coming up through the game. And then you're putting him in there with the likes of, you know, and no disrespect to Thiago Silva or to Dominic Reyes or something like that. But I mean, I think he seriously was lacking in motivation. And a lacking in a challenge and getting himself out. Look at it's he has said it himself time and time again that, you know, he half asses some training camps, you know, he's supposedly drinking, and he said it himself during the, the Gustafsson first fight. And there's no notorious stories going on that he's hard to get to the gym and he's hard to get training. And, you know, I think this move to heavyweight is gonna be good for those for those kind of facets, I think. Um how could you not get, it, get motivated going in there and fighting someone with the likes of Stipe Miocic? We've even seen recent tweets with him now saying that he wants Stipe at his absolute best. Um, he wants to fight the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. You know, those are the things that are, he's telling himself to to get in there and to, to get himself motivated to perform at the highest level. And I think, you know, he probably hasn't had that against Reyes or the likes of Thiago Silva. And you know what? He was lucky enough to get away with it because he came damn close to fucking losing those fights. And I think you know the timing is right now. I think he wanted to break the record. I think it uh, wasn't it for t- was it for title defenses or. Something Concep-
1: like that, he, uh, the drugs and all of that fucked that up anyway. I think, so yeah. I think he probably forgot about
2: that. But yeah, I mean, like yeah. our chat, there's some record he was going on about, like heavyweight division, consecutive wins in a row or something like that. Um, that yeah, he wanted to break, and you know, he's done that now. He's he, John Jones is very ego driven, and you know, he always considered himself a champion, whether he had a belt on him or whether he didn't, and you know. We've seen that when he came in and he lost the belt and was fighting the likes of Cormier, came in and fought OSP. He never he always considered himself the true champion. And this time is a little different because he hasn't earned his stripes in the heavyweight division um as of yet. But I think he'll still come in there with the championship mindset. I think he's too ego driven to take on a challenge that he doesn't think that he's going to be able to win, to be honest, at this stage in yeah. career. He gets, he gets a lot out of being called the greatest of all time. You can talk about, like, and that's a mental thing, you know what I mean? All of his issues outside of the cage all stem from mental health issues. And being the greatest fighter of all time is, is something that he'll enjoy saying. He's deserved to be called the greatest fighter of all time. And he's not going to want to give away i think legacy is very important for john jones Absolutely. and i think that this is uh, the perfect time to move up and to fight someone like Steve miocic and i think he wouldn't be doing it if he didn't think he could win or be the champion
0: next up we have the first of a couple of speakers corners episodes this one is discussing what makes a good fighter
1: okay i don't know what we're doing today so go on let us know i'm gonna tell
0: you i'm gonna i'm gonna leave this i'm just gonna ask the question i'm not gonna give any context nothing i'm just gonna dive right in sean sheehan the title of this week's speaker's corner is what is a good fighter
1: that's a very interesting question isn't it uh uh, there there can be lots of different answers i suppose to that and it's funny you, you might get a knowledge about when we're uh recording this but uh you know, I, I was just talking about Michel Peher, uh over the last while and we talked about him for a long while and I, I kind of on my previews for uh, his fight with Santiago Ponzinibbio, uh I was kind of and myself and Graham talked about it on the podcast and on other places where I talked about it as well I kind of made the point that someone like him can stand alone as a fighter while just being exciting and entertaining without needing the wins for someone like me now for the fighter himself uh, obviously, very different, and for the rankings and maybe for the matchmakers and all of that can be different. But I think you know the overall and overarching answer to your question is: it depends who you're asking. You know, for Dana White, if uh, a fighter like someone like a Peha goes out there and he loses and loses and loses and loses and keeps losing, it doesn't matter how exciting he is. He will get caught, but also if he wins one, loses one, maybe loses three, and then wins one, he's the sort of guy as well who'll probably stay there because he's exciting or he's past this iteration of him. We've seen that with Dan Hardy, we've seen that with Diego Sanchez, and with others as well. Um, So it depends what you think good is. Like, is good exciting? Is good technically proficient? Uh, Is good uh, smart? in terms of how they match, make, or in terms of how they fight, so there's lots of, lots of different ways of asking, them, and I suppose lots of different ways, of, uh, of answering that question, I suppose as well, like I look, and, I, I could give you, we, we could probably make, five or six, maybe ten, twelve, different questions, along the lines of, who is the greatest in this certain area? Who is the greatest all round fighter? Who is the best skin, uh, strength of schedule? Who is the greatest tactician? Who is the smartest person in the history of the sport? And different things like that. Or who is, you know, good in all those areas? And you can answer him in lots of different ways. Uh, so that's a, a very much a non-answer there to start off with the question. I, do you know what I think, though, Harry? And I, I actually don't know necessarily where you're going with this. But I think these days we have... Uh, Lots of good fighters and almost all fighters fighting at a very top level are good fighters. The thing is today, and it's great for mixed martial arts, but I think a good fighter today is not going to reach the level that a good fighter 10 years ago or 15 or 20 years ago is going to reach now that might seem pretty obvious considering where the sport is and I'm sure it is but maybe it's not something we talk about and discuss all that often and a good fighter today or a good fighter if you're a good fighter in a certain division you might get absolutely nowhere if you're a good fighter in another division you might be a champion so that's my overarching answer to your question and I'm interested to see where you go with it next We're going to mix things up a little bit this month. This month,
0: I'm now going to play all of the segments from Shawnee Sheehan's Q&A. There's some segments where the mighty Mr. O'Neill makes a feature. And just so you're aware, for Patreon, Patreon subscribers only, Shawnee Podcast is now doing some of the Q&As on YouTube. So if you do sign up to the Patreon, in that post, there will be a link to the YouTube video, so you can consume it that way if you wish. Shawnee take it away
1: first question I want to answer because a few people have sent it to me and they're like if you answer this question we'll sign up to patreon and that's enough for me that is enough for me to answer a question so I was asked for my breakdown of Matthew Elliott versus Shelley over on Cage Warriors because there's been a lot of controversy uh, and a lot of talk about it so here is my breakdown of that fight Went back and rewatched it uh, with a very fine-tooth comb. And round one is an Elliott round. You have to give that round, uh, I think, uh, to Matthew Elias. Um, He gets the fight to the ground, obviously, as we know. Got a lot of top control. Didn't do a lot with it. Ryan Shelley didn't do a lot with the bottom either. But it was very even, I think, when the fight was on the ground. Uh, and when it is like that, and in any fight where uh, the fight is even, I'm, as I take off my earphones here for anyone, listen, I don't need them on, um, you go to what is the most impactful thing to land in the round. Uh, and to me, the two most impactful shots of that round were an elbow and a piece of uh, ground and pound by Matthew Elliott. Uh, so I scored that round for him. I didn't see anything that impactful From Shelley, so I think the first round when there is a guy who is on his back and he's throwing like little elbows and he's trying his best, not landing much. When there's a guy on top who's throwing shots, not landing much, trying his best, it there is very little in it. But those sort of things when you see an impact shot, now maybe a judge or maybe some one of one of the people here watching at home. I uh, saw something more than me, and absolutely, it was a round that can be changed by something small. Uh, but that's what I saw. I think the two most impactful shots went in that. Uh, it was the exact opposite for me in the second round. I think Shelly landed the most impactful shots of that round. Less time on the ground, which obviously, uh, w- w- you know, which not necessarily, obviously benefited him, which I think did benefit him, because he landed some lovely knees on the clinch against the cage. Uh, Elliot didn't really land anything. Shelly didn't really land anything either. One shot that I really liked, that I scored very highly for Shelly, was when Elliot went for a takedown and Shelly hit him with an uppercut. Um, I thought that had a bit of impact. Um, I thought Elliot landed a couple of takedowns, neither of them massively impactful. The first one was a head and arm throw, which uh, looked very good, but Shelly got right back to his knees, right back to the cage and right back up. The last one, he... Didn't get back up, but uh, Elliot didn't really land much. Close round again, I could really see it going either way, especially that one, very, very close. Uh, But I gave that one to Shelley. And in the third round was a round where Elliot took him down and nobody landed anything absolutely nothing landed. You can show me all the numbers you want. MMA isn't down to numbers. And I I would probably guess that Shelley landed more from the bottom. But he landed nothing of significance. He was throwing these little inside bicep elbows, which are just like... And, you know, his, his coach, Chris Fields, came out and said, Oh, I know the scoring criteria. I'm telling my fighters to fight in that way. Well, if you know the scoring criteria, you'll be telling your fighters to land big, impactful strikes from underneath, not barely touch him. And I'm someone everyone knows who's a massive um, fan of the criteria and I'm a, I'm a, I love talking about the criteria and love everything about it. There's no one in the world who loves it more than me. But this is not that, you know, you can't just like, and there's like a little bit of that as well. Oh, I know the criteria. I am, you know, I'm t- teaching my guys that way, which is great. And I applaud that. Absolutely. But to say that after a fight like this, and you know, hold the criteria up as to why your fighter won the close fight and your coaching of that criteria is why your fighter won the close fight. And I know he said, like, oh, all due respect to the other coaches, but oh, I think that's a little bit disrespectful, honestly. But anyway, we, we leave that to one side. Um, Elliot won that third round, in my opinion. He landed... Uh, the better, more impactful strikes from on top uh, than Shelley did from on the bottom. Shelley, they both landed v- almost nothing. I think the last minute, Elliot landed probably two or three shots that had more impact than anything he landed or that Shelley landed before that, and still there wasn't much on him. The one more, most impactful shot that I saw before that last minute was also from Elliot. Uh, it still wasn't much, but when there's almost nothing from either of them, you, you have to go to that. Is it a round that you go to the secondary criteria? I would say no. I don't think Matthew Elliott won any of those rounds via wrestling or via effective grappling. I wouldn't score any of those rounds to him via that. Uh, via effective striking or whatever sort of effective striking that we did see. Uh, I thought he runs one rounds one and three. I was talking to uh, a judge as well. And they told me they went back, and you know, it was uh, an American judge uh, that I asked to to kind of take a look at it because I wanted to be be sure myself. And uh, they had said, I already saw that fight, I scored it two one to Elliot and they got back to me like a few minutes later and I got you know what, it's actually I think that's three 0 to Elliot And I was like, Oh really interesting So it's that this is not just me or anything like that. It, it was a close fight. Two and three can go either way. The first can't go anywhere. One judge I think scored a thirty twenty seven um to Shelley. <sighs> I can see that. That first round let me let me do you know what? My my picture's a bit my picture's a bit wonky there. I need to fix myself. Thank you. Go, man Shani. Uh that first round no I can't go to um can't go to Shelley Elliot landed the bigger shots in that round But uh, yeah, 2-3 and three very close Could have gone either way But I think if you're scoring those rounds properly You're scoring it the right way Especially the third round I The second round was the closest The third round, it was very, very close But uh, you have to score via that impact And I thought uh, Elliot won it But there was uh, I think Elliot can f- could feel more aggrieved to lose then Shelley could feel aggrieved to lose if he lost if you want to put it that way I don't think anyone can feel massively aggrieved it was a very very close fight just a lot of the talk afterwards there was a lot of nonsense there was a lot of nonsense from Graham Boylan as well Okay, there was nonsense from Team KF in Chris Fields talking about, in my opinion, now he might be wrong, uh, but talking about how he's coaching from the corner was all down to the criteria. I know he does look at the criteria, and he's very smart in that, and he does coach it on the way in, but in the corner, I just, I'm not, I'm not buying that massively, to be honest, and I might be wrong. FI put up a ridiculous post about, all oh, cage wearers need to change our criteria, and then Graham Byland replied to that saying, oh, we get the best judges in the world here, uh... And it's their criteria and all that, which is, yeah, fair enough. Apart from the fact, who were the judges of that fight? And who were the judges that were not in that fight? Was Ben Carlich judging in that fight or in in Belfast on Saturday night? No. Was David Leatherby, the two best judges in in the UK and Ireland, was he judging on it? No. Was Dar Ransom judging on it? In my opinion, the third best. Was he judging on it, the best up-and-coming judge? No so to, for you to say you have the best judges all the time and I know for a fact all three of those judges were available to judge in the card uh, would have but they weren't on that card you can fo- ask Graham Boyland the reason why they weren't on the card but they weren't so for him to say that also a bit of a butcher anyway that was a question a few people have asked me I've given you nine minutes on it now lads so we will uh, we will move on from there so let's get straight into it here uh, Ian's going to ask me some I'm going to throw out some and we will uh, we will run through him here and I will start off because Ian doesn't have his phone ready First question if Olive looks legit who's a good next fight for him what, what did you think of aval and I like uh, w- me watching him coming into the fight I, I knew how good of a fighter I suppose he was but watching him watching him in that fight I think you know myself and Graham kept using the word evolution and it was funny because his name is olive and it's evolution but he did I think he did show an evolution in his all around game. And I suppose you have to, when you're fighting someone uh, as good as, as Daniga. and okay, it was a unanimous decision. He didn't get the finish or anything like that, but it was a, it was a damn good win and a damn good performance by him. And, you know, at 16 and oh, now, he's definitely a guy we have to be talking about going forward, isn't he?
2: He surely is. Um, I was very impressed with him overall. Um, you said evolution, and that's exactly what we saw in there. It was like we got to see a couple of wrinkles of his stand-up game. Uh, he won the stand-up. Uh, he won the stand-up battle basically with Danny. He, he won many of the boxing exchanges. He set an incredible pace from the first round. And one of the biggest questions I would have had is that: is he able to go on, going to be able to maintain that pace throughout the fight? How will he? How will that transcribe over into a five-round fight as well? Uh, I think he ticked all those boxes for me to be honest and you know that's what you gets everybody excited uh, undefeated prospect coming in who has been dominant fighting his toughest challenge and just winning with relative ease and if Olive uh, really did all that and, and ticked off all the boxes
1: as I said uh, who would you like to see him next to it I don't know really like in that division at 135 pounds I, I think he kind of has to get a bit of a move forward here. Like if you look uh, at the rankings at the moment, like the Asuncio was fifteen, Jack Shore fourteen. uh I, no, sorry, I ain't got mad. Um, at one um one forty five. Yeah, he's at thirteen. Sorry, I. Uh, do you know what? I, the reason I said that was I always get Danny gay and fucking Rob Font mixed up. Always, always. Me too. And I Me just too, saw too, Ron Font in the rankings and I was like well, well I'm, I'm I'm I was reading like I'm in the wrong fucking rankings. But anyway, he, he what is he ranking? He's ranked number thirteen here, you know he It's in Barbosa. You know, that's, yeah. a, that's a terrible fight for Edson Barboza, but that's one that makes sense. Uh, you know, he, he fought Shadiq Yusuf, didn't he, in his last one, so that one's probably not going to happen. I know a lot of people, or a few people even, called for the Arnold Allen fight. I think that would be an outrageous fight to give Arnold Allen at this stage, but there are some great fights from there. If Ilya Tapuria is coming back down, I know, I think they have the same management, so maybe that's not happening, but I think there's some great fights. What, what do you think? Which one would you pick out?
2: Anyone except Arnold Allen. I know he called him out. I know everyone is mad to see that fight. Why should Arnold Allen take that fight? Arnold Allen needs to be either fighting for a title or a number one contendership next. He's done his due diligence in the division. He's racked up a win streak. um And if Olive has a little bit to do to, to kind of get to uh, the status of an Arnold Allen in the division, if you ask me, uh, throw him in there with. Uh, you know, you, I'm looking at if you want to see a solid grappler versus a solid grappler, you, you could throw him in there with Bryce Mitchell. Um, like Josh that. Emmett would be Josh Emmett would be a good test for him. I know Josh Emmett has a fight coming up, so you could maybe throw him in there with the winner of Emmett and, and Calvin Cater. Is that that's who's fighting down the line? I think so. Um, yeah. Someone like that, but I, it makes sense that evolve would call out Arnold Allen. That's what you do. That's how you get into the mix, but... It's a ridiculous uh, ridiculous thing if the UFC go ahead and
1: make that and kind of belittles Arnold Allen as a competitor in the division. Right, true or false here, we'll both give uh, the answers for these ones. Manel Cape fights for the £125 title by the end of 2023. Ian, true or false? True. I'm going to go with true as well, fucker. We. Do you know what, man, LK, Con- if he, if he wins this weekend, the contender, he might be a good one. Uh, I'll go first with this one. Biggie Boy gets another fight in the UFC. Oh, yeah, true. I think he will. Do you think he will? Absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely true. Joanna versus Whaley, two is a calculated, boring fight. Ooh. Oh. False. I don't think it'll be as exciting as the other one and Graham made a great point as well the fact it's not five rounds I think is a disadvantage to it Uh, but calculated boring fight I think it'll be more calculated by. Wooden. I don't think it'll be boring. So I'll say false. Uh, Graham has seen more than two fights from the deceiving fight night. Graham actually saw more fights than me. To be fair, Dalton's always taking little shots at Graham. There to be fair now, but how, you know. how dare you, Dalton? No, I'm, that's definitely false. Graham, Graham is like
2: the un- uh, underlier. He doesn't tweet. He doesn't. Hmm. Uh, doesn't make too many comments except on the podcast, but he watches everything. He does He's watching over everything. you it, would it, like actually
1: be hawk. surprised how much Graham is actually watching it. To be fair, now and yeah, that's that was that's unfair. Now that's unfair. All right, we have we have a guy right who I promised last week I would get him a, an intro, a very quick intro. Team, someone was giving out to me for overusing the ones last week. I, I promise I won't overuse them. I'm go, I'm going to give myself a limit of three times. But here. With his question this week, it's Christopher Graham. Right, Christopher's first question this week is... uh... I love it. I love that. (laughs) I could listen to that 300 times. (laughs) He has written. He has written. He got it. So if you send in enough questions, you will get your own intro team as well. So... I don't know if you've been listening Ian, over the last couple of weeks I did the bantamweight tournament and Christopher threw the fight to me I had to pick the fights and then next week I'll pick the next round of fights so this week it's federal, uh, lightweight, lightweight so we'll both pick them uh, I mean, I, Yeah, we'll both pick them but Well, no, you, you just pick
2: for the sake of the tournament here. Okay, good. for the sake of we'll, the tournament. We'll get yours in because we'll we don't get, want to give
1: it two prongs. Okay, we'll get I'll mine just, in. I just then maybe you can say, See if you agree or disagree. History. Okay, okay. Right. So, first round number one versus number 15, Charles Oliveira versus Diego Fejea I think Charles Oliveira has been in that one. I would. Uh, I, I don't yeah. think many of the groups agree yeah. with that. A pretty easy one. Yes, number seven versus eight. This is a difficult one now. Rafael dos Anjos versus Conor McGregor. Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Now, I'm going to pick this best. Uh, now, maybe I shouldn't pick it best on this, but I'm going to pick it best on who I think at their best. Well I don't know, that's maybe not the best thing to it do either. Is, it is a fantasy it's a fantasy tournament, Sean, so we can I, yeah. fantasize here gonna, if we want to. I want to pick Connor to win. <laughs> can I just yeah, I one so. that? I'm gonna pick Connor. I am gonna pick Connor. Who are you picking in on that one? I pick Connor too. Okay, but. good. Gaethje versus Hooker. Gaethje I think Gaethje wins that one to be honest. Although uh, how's good as Hooker's Jujitsu? Maybe you can beat him there. No, but I go with Gecchi. Chandler versus Fiziev. Ooh, fuck. The number five Chandler against the number ten Fizeev. Ooh, Fizeev is not going to be taking Chandler down that easy. And and, and you know he's very good. Obviously, very good uh, kickboxer and does kicks. Does he have enough power to knock out Chandler airily? Would he, would Chandler catch him? I don't know. What, what do you think in that one? That is a fucking great fight, great fight that yeah. I want to see now in
2: mm-hmm. real life as well. Um. Uh, quickly thinking about how these guys would match up I think like you said the, the grappling would probably counter each other Um, I probably have Chandler as maybe a bit more of a powerful wrestler but he's not going to keep Viziev down that easy so yeah. what we might end up seeing is uh, a close stand up fight with the odd takedown here or there from Chandler which might just get him the decision but if it's all stand up, I'd kind of lean towards Fiziev too. I think so he's more I dynamic
1: think. on the feet. I'm going to go oh. with Fiziev. Fuck us. I'm going with Fiziev. Who are you going for? Yeah,
2: I, 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 I'm not going to argue with you there. Ooh. I think that's a 50 50 toss up on, but we we'll say Fiziev gets it on the night.
1: Okay. I like these last two fights as well. Dariush versus Sariukin. That's a fucking fight. Oh, I'm going to pick yes. Dariush because he's my guy, but. Saryuken. I'm gonna have to disagree with you there now. Yeah. I'm on team
2: Saryukin can yeah. all, all I I were I, I one one of my predictions when I first seen can fight was that he was going to be champion. And if he's well every time he wins, you're gonna see me retweeting that tweet. I love it. I think he is a a really special fighter, very young. Now, Darius might out experience him, but you're talking about a guy who came in and went to a decision with Islam Mahachev on his debut in the UFC and it was he lost the decision, but it was a competitive decision. He wasn't wasn't mauled or anything like that, and that to me kind of showcased that Saryukin is going to be a major player in the lightweight division. Maybe this Very fight good. and Sean thinks maybe this fight comes a little bit
1: too soon for him, and mm. he's gone for Daryush. I politely disagree okay, on that one, okay, but Dariush goes through. He goes through, uh, and then the last one: Islam Makachev versus Gamrot. You probably have to go for Islam there, but that is a way better fight than people probably recognize because Gamrat's fucking brilliant. But yeah, I, yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I think
2: uh, I, similar enough to the last fight, I probably have Islam winning a little bit easier, but uh, not not as easy as one might su- suspect.
1: There, there's actually okay. There's a, there's actually a couple. There's one more official fight here, and then you have a wild card fight as well. Uh, the official fight is Paria versus Riddell. I would go for Paria there I assume you go for Paria too which on uh, that one it yep. gets better that and in the wildcard one it's Tony Ferguson at number 9 versus Alexander Volkanovski coming up from Federer ooh, ooh I think Volkanovski had yeah. boxed the ears off Volkanovski murders him <laughs> yeah, absolutely murder him yeah so he go for them too right we'll move on that was great next week we will get to the uh, the round of 8 in that a Shichichinko challenge for the women's bantamweight title next um an interesting question. I I'd be interested to know what people think. Um I I don't know what she is like the, the thing about it is right. You've Tyler Santos who just put on this unbelievable performance against her was very close and Shevchenko's next performance will either be an a proof that Shevchenko is on the way out in terms of um you know where she is as a fighter. Uh, in terms of where she is as a top top fighter or it will be another destruction and we'll all be saying ah you know she just had a bad day at the office let's you know let's move on or whatever um i would i would kind of think that putting her back in there against santos to prove that is probably the best way forward now maybe if you do think that's the end of it and that's the end of shishinko at the very top you do make the band away title fight you know you Give her especially if it's Nunes, you make that Nunes fight, you build Nunes as a star, you know, she beats Pinya, she fights Shevchenko again. But the problem with that is if uh Nunes does win, you surely have to do the rematch between her and Shevchenko in the trilogy. Like you are sorry, between her and um Pina in the trilogy, if if Nunes wins that fight. You have to do that fight it feels like. But um we'll we let do that fight. Who, uh, who knows? Uh, who are the top five all-time women's MMA goats in order? Uh, it's still Amanda Nunes, anyway, number one for me. Uh, it depends. Like, it depends, greatest and best is, is a weird one because you could have them. Like, if you're talking about greatest, you have to have Ronda Rousey in there. Uh, maybe not in that order. But uh, look, the, so Amanda, Ronda, um, Shevchenko, Cyborg. And then who would the other one be? You know, would it like is it Jindjic? Is it Rose? Is it Jang-Wae-Li? Or are you going back? You know, to someone further back? You know, maybe Misha Tate or someone like that. Um, so I don't. I, I look. I think the four are easy. Putting that four in order or tough. And then the five. I will give my top four because then you, we can pick someone else out as the as the fifth one. Uh, so I'm going to go Amanda. Uh, I'm going to go. Mm, See, it's the, I'm going to go Randa number two. I'm going to go Randa number two. And then I think I think Valentina has actually fought and beat better people than Cyborg, but Cyborg was more vicious. And actually, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go Valentina and then Cyborg. That might sound unfair, but I, I just think, like, Cyborg did, like, shy away from challenges at different points in her career. Um, and that, it, it, like... I was going to say, okay, she hasn't fought the, the the quality of people because she wasn't in a place where she could fight the quality of people. Was that her fault or someone else's fault? I think that was actually probably mostly her fault. So, yeah, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go against Cyborg on that one. And fifth, you know, is it Misha Tate? Maybe it's Misha Tate. Maybe Holly Holm, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yo, uh, you, like they keep calling Joanny and Jacek the greatest one tur one of all time. Like Rose has beaten her toys, let's be honest here. And I know Rose has lost a few as well. And but uh, and you know, you could probably say the same with Aldo, you know, he's lost to to, to Max, and he's probably still the greatest, and he's lost to Connor as well, and Volkanovsky. But I don't know. It, it just feels like a weird one, Joanna, but she's right up there, so she's definitely right up there.
0: <laughs> a big thank you, as always, to the right and honourable. Shawnee Podcast for answering those questions and thanks very much for everyone that sent them in. Let's move on to a hot topic conversation between myself and Kilkenny's finest Mr. Ian O'Neill discussing Reese McKee's latest performance at Cage Warriors. Cage Warriors Belfast happened last weekend. Reese McKee and Justin Berlinson headlined that card I'm not going to talk too much about the fight because I think it's important that that you give us your breakdown both from an Irish MMA perspective but also from a personal perspective. But it felt to me as though that was another really pivotal defining moment in Irish MMA history. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, I definitely agree 100%. Uh, in Irish MMA history and also in Reese McKee's uh, career as well. I think the setting uh, everything that happened for Reece, um you know, with the UFC. Um, and then, you know, it couldn't have worked out when I spoke to him before the fight. And I kind of said that, you know, given all that has happened to him and given all uh, the kind of heartbreak that he's had to endure over the, the past couple of years, you know, your dream of getting to the UFC, um, you know, being matched very hard and then just being shown the door, like, it must have been very hard for him to take But as things worked out I really think it couldn't have worked out any better for him But he needed the result On, on Saturday night in Belfast And he was made work for the result By Justin I mean The occasion, the fight um, Everything lived up to it You know we spoke about the card and Me and John and Andy did the preview and We, we spoke very briefly about you know What the card could have been Uh, Maybe with the addition of Paul Hughes With the addition of Joe McColgan A couple of more fights that fell off as well And you know I think all that has kind of gone out the window I think it was the perfect main event The perfect occasion And the perfect fight And um, you know I was thinking to myself You know You don't need a fight like that But you do need a fight like that It's not good for your health It's not good for your well-being But look at all the buzz Over the last couple of days after it I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, the fight itself was just an absolute war where both guys had to dig so deep. And, you know, I think Reese was on Instagram today. Those are the kind of fights that, you know, like I said, are not good for you, but you do need to to help you in the progression of your career. I mean, I guarantee you both guys answered a bunch of questions that they didn't know the answers to on Saturday night because I can't even describe what mental state you have to get into into to kind of compete in a war like that when you're busted up your opponent is busted up um it's such a close fight like um he he was probably he could have been very well i didn't score the fight i was i watched it back twice and i still didn't watch it back in a kind of a sore scoring sense of the means like but i think he could very well have been down going into the third round, you know, and um, 2-0 could have been 1-1. I'm not too sure. I'd have to watch it back again a little closely to the kind of score. But um, just going in and putting these lights out like that, even to finish, it was just like when he landed that left hook, it was all over and he just ran out into the crowd. It was absolutely, I hate, I, I, I try not to use the word too much, but it was fucking epic, wasn't it?
0: Let us head back to the Hot Topic. This episode of the Hot Topic is with the Right and Honourable Sean Sheehan and myself, and we discuss Leon Edwards being matched with Kamaru Usman for the £170 title.
1: But first of all here, let's talk about Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman. It's a fight that was announced for the Welterweight title this weekend for an upcoming uh, card uh, towards the, uh, the autumn of the year, I believe. Uh, we, we just kind of briefly mentioned it as we are discussing what topics we were going to do beforehand. Harry seems to like the fight. I'm not the biggest fan of this fight in the world, but tell us first of all, Harry, from probably like the, the correct point of view here, why this is a great fight and what why you like it.
0: So I think from a competitive standpoint, it's an interesting fight. I think Leon brings uh, maybe not a incredibly new look for Kamaru, but he's somebody that that is uh, developed in the modern MMA game. You know, we talked often about, we talked about the, the fighting off the break when he fought Gunny Nelson. He has good footwork. He managed to stay in Peter Sabata's guard for three rounds and, and not really look too phased. He's got some really nice jabbing. He's got a good kickboxing game. Just sort of everywhere he goes, he's an all-round good fighter. Um, I think for me, the reason why this is an important fight is because for the longest time, in many divisions, we've screamed for a little bit of a, more of a meritocracy. Instead of seeing what fight sells, we want to see the best fight the best when they are the best, quote Sean Sheehan. Um, and I think that this is kind of that. Leon hasn't lost a fight in many, 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 many years. He hasn't been pushed in in a fight in many, many, many years. We go back to the Bilal Mohammed performance. He didn't really look uh, like he was struggling in the Bilal Muhammad performance. And then obviously the eye poke and these things happen in MMA, whatever. But I think it's also important in divisions for new blood to come in and challenge for the titles. We don't just want to see the Colby Covington rematch. We don't just want to see Brandon Moreno fight Figueredo every single time. We don't want to see Volkanovski and Holloway fight every single time. So I think that whilst it may not be the most competitive matchup, and I haven't gone and watched the tape, so I can't say whether it will be or not, but whilst it may not be the most competitive matchup, I think it's important from a sporting standpoint and from a meritocracy standpoint, that Leon gets the shot.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you, and I think he's earned it, and I have no problem with the fight being made, and I think it's the right fight to make, and I think they were correct to make it, and I want to see more meritocracy. I want to see the guys who have earned the shots getting it now. I don't think, I, I don't think Leon is like stand out in terms of him earning the shots shot over some other specific guys, uh, especially like you know. um... Uh, the Bilal and Luke fight, which obviously happened. Luke, had, you know, some very good wins as well, and Leon was out of the cage for a long time. A lot of that was to do with the pandemic and some of Tyron Woodley, obviously, that fight was supposed to happen and and different things. But all in all, I I do agree with that. Um, But also, and that's from like a very straight up journalistic point of view, but also from Sean Sheehan's point of view here for a second, I want to see Shamaya fight for that title. I want to see him fight Leon Edwards, right? Sorry. I want to see if I camera Usman right fucking no right that's one big point of it um and I also think Leon Edwards has zero hope against Usman and I say that as someone who has great respect for Leon Edwards's game but I just think Usman is a phenom and you you said there a second ago and you're right Leon Edwards is very good in all areas tell me one area that Leon Edwards is better than camera Usman
0: finally let's head on over to the speaker's corner this is the final snippet for this month's podcast in this episode of the speaker's corner sean and i discuss damage in mma both fighters dealing damage to other fighters and having damage dealt to themselves it's a tough conversation but it's something that i really think is important and it was a great conversation please have a listen the topic of today's Speaker's Corner is about the mental aspects of fighters inflicting damage upon one another and equally our propensity as fans for damage and how the criteria of the sport, because it pertains that damage is the most important thing, how does that relay into us as fans? How does that shape the way that we think about damage post-fight uh pre-fight in camps and what do we think that that does to to fighters specifically i know i've asked lots and lots of questions so let's start at the start what do you think or how do you think fighters are able to reconcile damaging one
1: another it's it's a it's a very tough question to uh, it's that's a tough question to ask Itself, but it's an even tougher question to answer. And you know, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into all sides of it. But I've even thought about this myself. You know, as someone who has talked about judging an awful lot over the years, and I know we don't want to talk about judging, but the, the the kind of the prerequisite of talking about judging these days is talking about damage being the most important thing, and to encourage people to inflict damage. And when you think about that at its very base. You know, which is a phrase I, I kind of use a lot in, in this. Uh, but if that's what this podcast is about, that's that's actually a pretty disgusting thing to even say. Like, and I, you know, disgusting maybe is a harsh word, but at the end of the day, you're talking about someone inflicting. You know, brain damage Or, you know, physical damage Even if it's a cut or a wound Or, you know, a broken arm Or, you know, even something as small as You know, a bruise or a dead leg Or something like that it, it hurts And, like, it's the hurt game And, you know, this is not tiddlywinks And this is not basketball Or whatever it might be So, look, we we are all in tune With the reality of it But still, in all that reality is sometimes hard to... You know, to to talk about and to admit, and I, I think we, we need to admit it. Um, and as I, I'll say it again, this is what this podcast is, is all about. But from the fighters' point of view, do you know what, Harry? I, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe maybe this is maybe this is as hard a podcast we need actually to get a fighter on for them to talk about reconciling it, uh, with it. Um, what I would say is that sometimes you hear fighters saying that, right? And most of the time, almost all the time, I don't believe them. You know, I, I honestly don't believe him. And maybe that's me being, you know, too fucking, too, I suppose, numb to the game, if you want to put it that way. And that I don't, like a lot of fighters will say it just to kind of say it or will say it to make themselves sound you know, tough or make themselves sound like, oh, I can inflict so much pain, it hurts me, kind of, and it's more of like a cocky thing than an actual caring sort of thing. Um, and the, the main reason for that, and I'm not saying, you know, these fighters, they don't think or they don't care or they don't understand or whatever. I, I think a big part of it is, and this is a massive part of of a fighter's mindset in all realms of fighting, they really have to put that to one side, and they have to put it to one side from the very, very start of it. You know wh- what's that thing called, Harry? Um, uh, the phrase won't come to me at the moment. But when you, when you like, when you uh, watch, uh, when you watch wrestling, uh, here we go—the suspension of disbelief. You know, if you go and watch a Marvel movie, or you go and watch, um. You Go and watch Superman. You know, Superman isn't real, like you know, Min can fly, but you still go there and you, you know, <laughs> sorry, looks well. Uh, you still go and you there and you watch the movie. You're like, we know there are no dragons. I, I'll talk in the Welsh guy, maybe that's the wrong thing to say, but I still loved Game of Thrones and still watched it, you know. Um, and I feel like uh, they have to suspend the reality of what makes martial arts. Does to not only their opponents when they land shots, but what it does to them when their opponents land shots on them, and I think that suspension of caring about yourself overall in in a, in like um in a long term sense, has to be suspended now I don't think they do it short term like I think these lads they do look after themselves better now than they ever have you know there isn't as many you know shoot the box wars as there once was I'm sure that's still going on a little bit and even I saw Ian Gary talking the other day about you know when I need to take a day off I need to take off uh, I talked to, to Miles Price you know and I did an interview with him before his Jeremy Stevens fight and he was kind of saying to me look I had a fight four weeks ago or whatever I can't be putting my body into, uh, you know, the same shape I got it into with an 8 or 12 week camp. It's just not going to be able to happen. I have to keep myself in an even keel and get to where I need to get to. Not going to be doing like this big hard sparring multiple times. And, you know, fighters I think are are better at doing that. So in the short term, in like the day-to-day part of it, absolutely, but like... You can protect yourself day-to-day as much as you want, and it will definitely help. It will definitely help, sh- help short-term and long-term. But if you go in there and, you know, you are Chris and fighting Luke Rockhold and Herb Dean happens to be the referee, well, that's going to be a life-changing beating. You know, if I just mentioned Anthony Pettis there, if you're Anthony Pettis against Rafael Dos Anjos and you're, you're, you know, you're as tough as Anthony Pettis and I don't think he gets the credit for the, the toughness he actually has, and you take that absolute beating... Well, that is very much going to, um, you know, going to change you long-term, that damage. And as well, if you are a half dos Años or if you're Luke Rockhold, like, the, the, the amount of wear and tear you put on someone, like, sometimes you go in there and you hate your opponent or whatever, but a lot of these guys they have great respect for them, and, you know, they understand. and they, Like, they want them to go home to their parents, too, or their, their parents and their wives and their, their kids, too, at the end of the day. And I'm sure, look... If Luke Rockhold, if you ask him, would he rather get a 10 second rear naked choke submission and Chris Whiteman tapped? Or would he rather beat the absolute shit out of him for three rounds and Herb Dean, you know, almost get two 10 sevens out of it? I'm sure he'd take the 10 minute submission, you know, and I think most guys would, and ladies as well would probably be like that. Um, but they can't have that mindset. You know, they can't. Their mindset has to be going there and knock people out and hurt people and damage people. That's what mixed martial arts is.
0: That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks very much for supporting Irish MMA. If you want to hear every single episode that goes out on the Severo May Patreon, sign up at severoMA.com forward slash pints. It is less than the price of a pint per month and you get a plethora of great content from all of the Severo May team. Until then, take care. Have a great one.